There's Mark and there's Jasmine. You can't see them, but they're there. (laughs) And you can't see me either. Well, this is (laughs) why the gap. Today, there's the subject of immortality. What is our mortality? Is it a curse? Is it a gift? Is it in a metaphorical sense? Are we immortal because we've created this podcast and it will be presumably (laughs) out there long after we're dead? I never thought of that. So in a way, we sort of gave ourselves, our, yeah, immortalized ourselves on on the internet. Oh, I'd love to regret this. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you love it, really, as come on. That's why you come back every week, Mark. Yes, sorry. Go? I thought it'd be really funny to shout hi and then throw my laptop out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really worked out well for you there. <laughs> But uh, I'm back. Hello. Not a great way to gain immortality either. <laughs> or maybe it is. Yeah, we don't I know. I was thinking of, this is a bit random, but I was thinking about that film. I don't know if you've seen it. It was in the 90s and it was Chevy Chase. And he worked in this in IT company or whatever. And he spilt coffee on his laptop. And I don't think that's the reason why he became invisible, but he thought it was. I think there was some sort of experiment going on in this building and it just coincidentally happened to explode when he spilt coffee on his laptop. Unless when he spilt coffee on his laptop, it triggered something in a program or I don't know. It's a bit like... I'm rambling. It's called Memoirs of an Invisible Man. And I'm rambling on, but to get to my point... (laughs) To get to my point, what if? By you throwing out your laptop, somehow that triggers an immortality gene or something. I mean, maybe maybe I'm immortal now. I guess we'll have to find out as as time passes by. Well, remember the film The Lawnmower Man? No. Oh, watch it. It's amazing. It's it's like really shitty. Like, well, maybe for the time it was probably seen as good technology, but it was like early 90s. Was it early 90s or was it 80s? Pierce Brosnan was in it and Jeff Fahey and he played this kind of idiot boy basically who mowed people's lawns but older women would take advantage of him and sexually assault him and stuff because he was quite buff. Yeah. I mean, does really count as sexual assault? Or was um, yeah. Because <laughs> he was too stupid to know what was going on. Oh my God. So... Pierce Brosnan takes this guy and he's like, he um, is looking and researching into, I don't know why, but virtual reality is a way of boosting someone's intelligence or I think he injects them with something and then puts them in virtual reality. 
and it seems to make this guy smart, but it makes him too smart and he becomes addicted to the it's, virtual reality thing and then he ends up inside the internet. This sounds like a marriage of Limitless and... Um, um, not what, and what's that film? That one where they go on the computer and it's like from the, the 80s. Oh, Tron. Tron, yeah, um, basically. It, it's Limitless and Tron merged together. That's insane because just like that's not a way to get more intelligent. That'd be like saying yeah. I'm a scientist investigating whether or not I can make people smarter using toasters. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> can't. but the thing is, he ends up like he ends his body ends up sort of like deflating, like and turning into sort of rubber because for some reason that symbolizes him being sucked into like whatever the fuck the internet is or the virtual reality world. And he seems to, and it ends, right, <laughs> spoilers, but it's an old film, it ends with every single phone ringing across the world, because remember when you used to use dial-up internet? Yeah. You had to switch your phone off. You had to go through your phone line. So that was him, like, phoning everyone from the internet. And and to, like, basically my point is, he sort of becomes immortal, but in the digital world. Ah, uh, okay. Like in um, San Junipero. Yeah. Like a shit version. I love yeah. that. That's my favourite Black Mirror episode. I've got one of the prints from it, like, hanging up on my wall. Yeah, it's one of the most joyous ones, because mostly Black Mirror are all, like, fuck technology. It's the downfall yeah. of humanity and everything, whereas that one's really Perfect. nice. Yeah, it is. Aww. And I think yeah. that'll, that'll link in with what you're going to talk about, Yasmin, as in, do does the soul live on after we die, or, like, them they uploaded their consciousness into a hard drive that would run forever as long as it's maintained. Whereas in the Black Mirror episode, I think one of the women was upset because her husband refused to to go into the world, so she felt like he was gone forever. There's quite a lot of films that have that concept of people uploading their consciousness into like, a yeah. computer and living forever, and it's a bit or of a into, idea. Yeah. Or into a robot body. You could, there's talk of that. Like You could download your intelligence and your personality into a microchip. I think that was in a Black Mirror as well. Yeah, because it's just brainwaves, like everything going on in your head is just brainwaves, unless you believe in having a soul. You should really watch Tron, by the way. I've seen it. Oh, I thought you hadn't seen it. No, 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 I hadn't seen Limitless. (laughs) Oh, oh, we should watch Limitless. It's got Bradley Cooper in it. It's Mm. got Bradley Cooper in it, and he's so pretty in it. Oh, well, that doesn't mean it. It's going to be a good film. No, no, it's actually a really good film. I don't really get the Bradley Cooper thing. I no, always no, think no. he just looks like somebody's like random uncle you'd see down the pub. But <laughs> That's exactly what I don't know anymore, but he was like in Limitless. Okay. <laughs> no, no, but it's a really good film. <laughs> Limitless specifically hot. Maybe that's why I don't think he's hot, because I've not watched Limitless. Is it kind of like yeah, the only time that. I've ever really fancied Jared Butler was when he played Dracula, which is a really shit film. Yeah, again, he, he falls into the same category. He also looks like somebody's uncle down the pub. And people oh, like, yeah, now he's not aged well. I mean, one, he's got a shitty yeah. accent that, like, what the <laughs> fuck, you're from Paisley. I keep going on about this. I went on about it the last podcast. I have so much beef with him. I heard that, like, a lot of people who went to uni with him and stuff, like, when he was trying to be a lawyer, um, said that he was an absolute arsehole to them. So, probably still the same, only his ego's much better worse when he's a Hollywood actor now in shit films yeah I imagine most people that do law kind of have a bit of arsehole in their personality as well anyway so yeah. probably amplified 
lawyers are our souls. That's what we're saying. Yeah, I'm not saying. I'm not saying all lawyers. <laughs> I'm just saying that they must have a trait. Or so they can be good at their job. Mm-hmm. Probably just offend all the lawyers combine, out there. Yeah, we'll combine that with like a Hollywood ego, then yeah, it's probably mm-hmm. our soul doubled, yeah. tripled. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the Scottish actor I like, um, who I don't think has changed that much, is... Oh, shit, what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> no, it's just because I'm old and I can't remember anything. I, I've, like... He was in The High Life. Oh, God's sake. Oh, Alan Cummings. Alan Cummings, uh-huh. yeah. So, you know Fiona that I used to live with, like my old flatmate? Her man, he like insures things on film sets. Oh, cool. Last year, the web, something that they got invited to some award ceremony, like well, actually just over a year ago, when we were still allowed outside, uh, the two of them were sitting with Alan Cumming and his husband, and she said he's the nicest man she's ever met. Yeah, Aww. I bet he is. I read his biography, and he said that his dad used to beat him and his mum and his brother on a daily basis and everything. It's fucking horrific, man. He went through a lot of shit because mm-hmm. his dad would get drunk and he was just like this horrible bully. And he claimed that, and then he claimed that at one point when he was dying of cancer or whatever, he got through to his brother and he said that he thought that, that Alan Cumming wasn't his son because his mum had an affair with somebody. Um, but it turns out that was a lot of shite. It wasn't true. Well, he sounds shit, but Alan Cumming isn't. So. Yeah, yeah he's pretty lovely. He seems yeah. like genuine and normal. No. Oh, and the guy that plays Professor Xavier, why can I never um, James McAvoy, he yeah. seems down to earth and Karen Gillan, like they've not like started talking with phony American accents and stuff like that. Mm. I hate that. I yeah. can't remember who Just it is. Be yourself. So Mark, you were gonna talk about the wandering Jew. I kinda read a little bit about it and it goes uh, back to biblical times. Right. So according to legend, as Jesus was carrying his cross to Golgotha he stopped for a moment to rest outside of the house of the shoemaker Ahasuerus. I'm saying according to legend, it's one of those weird ones like when we did our episode on like the satanic panic and when we've done other stuff out of the Bible. It's not actually in the Bible. And there's, right. like, think there's like three different versions of the legend. Yeah, that sounds different to what I read. But again, so, it's like, my friend said this happened. Well, did it? <laughs> so it must be true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's kind of like three different versions of it, but they're all fairly similar. So the one I'm going with is the one where, so Ahasuerus was, I think he's a shoemaker to start off with in nearly all of the stories, and he has some sort of interaction with Jesus in nearly all of the stories. So Jesus is carrying his cross to Golgotha, and he stops for a moment to rest outside the house of a shoemaker, Ahasuerus. I'm going to go off on a tangent again now, but I also thought when reading that, it's a bit of a weird idea that he was being whipped through the streets, dragging across, and was like... Just stop for two minutes. Opera's <laughs> <laughs> last. But what? anyway. Was it allowed to get to stop? Like, I was just thinking. Yeah, that. I thought he wouldn't be allowed to stop. Yeah. Because the Romans would be like, fucking get a move on. But again, <laughs> in all the versions that I looked at, it does involve, like, he's definitely communicating with this guy before he's crucified. So apparently uh, he chills out at some point, stops her fag. And. <laughs> <laughs> so. Jesus is tapping a fag outside of the cobblers and Hasmerus sees him and he goes out and asks Jesus uh, basically like why are you lazing about, why are you not moving along now and Hasmerus sees defence as well I don't know the tone in which he said that so I'm not judging him and Jesus said <laughs> maybe he just doesn't like smokers hanging about outside his fucking house yeah. he might not even know it's Jesus he might just yeah. be like 
You might think it's any random when they're having a fag outside the cobblers and he's like, fuck's sake, putting off business here. He just says to Hazardous, I will stand here and rest, but you will wander the earth until I return. And then he carries on walking. So right. all the versions of the story, there's there's like Jesus uttering some sort of line at a Hazardous, but it's not fully agreed upon whether this is Jesus putting a curse on him or whether this is Jesus acknowledging his already existing immortality. Now, most people... <laughs> why, why would Jesus... Yeah. Why would that Jesus sounds, like, yeah, really shitty of him. Yeah, so that's my thinking. <laughs> right? So most people think that it is that Jesus is putting a curse on a hazardous, but I would go more for the Jesus is stating a fact about a hazardous because he's Jesus and he knows everything. Because, yeah, Jesus is supposed to be, like, all good and all loving and all kind. And even... If Jesus isn't the son of God or a prophet or whatever, right? If Jesus was just a guy, even as a historical guy, he's supposed to be like really nice and all his actions at all times. So it seems weird that he put a curse on someone. He's not like under a lot of stress, wasn't he? Getting whipped by you know like the Romans and told he's going to get crucified. So maybe he just lashed out a little bit. True, but I'm not buying it. I I do. I think he's been a bit of a bitch there. Plus, also, he, like, how would he even have the power to... Because he's a son of God. Oh, yeah, not that. <laughs> What's the rest of it? Don't believe in that. <laughs> but even if he was a prophet, like, God, think yeah, of all the powers God gave Moses, he could give yeah, other prophets powers too. But anyway, I don't I don't think he can curse people, right? I'm not... Yeah, I don't think he was mean. Really no. Mean. But the majority of Christians who believe this story believe it was Jesus putting a curse on him. But the smaller group think that it was Jesus just like stating a fact that he already knew because he's Jesus and he's all powerful and he knows everything. And I would buy more into that. Yeah. Mark, oh. so why was he already mortal? Good question. Um, wait, wait, wait. This is what I saw. This is what I read. So the Jewish man. He apparently taunted Jesus during his walk to be crucified by hitting him with a shoe and telling him to hurry the fuck up. <laughs> Jesus then responded by telling him that even though he was leaving, the Jewish man would have to stay around until he returned. That sounds quite vindictive to me. But then I think Again. that version of the story, I feel like, is... I don't know, it's like... If the story is true, I feel like that version would be the made-up version because... It's kind of taking aspects of the first story and making the wandering Jew meaner, as if it's like defending why Jesus would curse someone. But even if somebody did hit Jesus with the shoe, I don't think he would curse them. Like if you're supposed to be yeah. benevolent, like all loving, then he's not going to curse someone just for hitting him with a shoe. See, to be honest, like see, sort of, if I'm going to like Islamic stories, like there's uh-huh. so many stories of Jews, and I've obviously no problem with Jews in any way whatsoever. Just the disclaimer but it's just there's so many stories of the jews like beating up different prophets like whereas jesus or like even abraham's time and like with um prophet muhammad as well the jews were nasty like there was women that would like chuck rubbish in front of them and chuck rubbish on them and spit them and none of them were nasty back like literally none of them and because they're obviously like men of god and stuff like even if it was like a monk or something they wouldn't turn around and curse someone they just kind of Jesus was a Jew himself, which is yeah, exactly. Like, hmm? yeah, obviously, like written to make the Hmm. Jew look bad, but then weirdly also Jesus looked bad because he's putting a curse on him. But yeah, it wouldn't make any sense. 
Yeah, like the version of the story with like Jesus with him beating Jesus with a shoe just doesn't really make any sense. Oh, so it links in with him being a shoemaker. I mean, yeah, but Plus people did worse things. <laughs> to make it make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone started dancing. There was like the wee old Jewish couple, right? Well, they were all Jews because they went to the Catskills. That's where they all went on holiday. There was like little old couple that were stealing people's wallets, and they were called the shoemakers. Just saying. <laughs> Well, quite a lot of what I read, which I haven't really gone into because it's not anything to do with immortality, but was about how the story started off with like Jesus acknowledging that this guy was immortal, but throughout time it's been changed multiple times because of anti-Semitism. So basically, because it's one of the oldest stories of like a sort of legendary Jewish figure, there's been like hundreds of incidences through time where people were like, oh, he was dirty and evil because he was a Jew. So... Uh, okay, so it's just gotten worse. Yeah. yeah. So maybe like plus the, people did worse things to Jesus. People did a lot worse things, and he didn't curse any of them. Yeah, it would seem weird that like out of everyone, why would he curse this one wheel? Even again, if the guy it, had it does seem really petty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know the people with the shoe. God, I'm there's not it makes more sense. Like nails drilled into my hand. Yeah, but I'm not gonna curse these people. I'm gonna curse the guy with the shoe. Like, nah. And like you're saying, like, like, there's almost like an implication there that he's cursing him because he's a Jew, which would be insane because Jesus. Why would a Jewish guy be like, of all you people that have horribly tortured me, the person I hate the most is that random Jew? So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that Hasaris came out of a shoe shop and was like, you're right, Jesus. And Jesus was like, I am not bad. Do you mind if I stand here and rest? But I know that you'll wander here. And then Hasaris was all like, oh, scandal, he knows my secrets. Because um, now Hasaris is sexy. Um, anyway, so I'll come back to who he might be once I've explained a bit more of like the the sightings of him throughout history. So this obviously happened the year that Jesus died. The poet Clemens wrote in the year 400 that Ahasuerus still wandered in ever-shifting exile, suffering the penalty for murder which is a very confusing thing to say because, again, there's nothing in the story about him murdering anyone. So I think Clemens may also have been an anti-Semite. And then there's reports from the late 6th, early 7th century monk Estidior, who claimed that he met Ahasuerus. He said that he had the appearance of someone from Ethiopia or someone of Ethiopian descent. um, Is that a slur on black people? Sorry? Is that a slur on black people? Like, you know, like the the ham and whatever you... The, the guy from the Noah's Ark thing, where he no, said that he'll turn black. I think he was saying it like, as in a dag, I think he was literally saying, I met a man and he looked like he might be of Ethiopian descent. Like, oh, okay. Basically, like he was ethnically African. And he said, but he was clad in rags. And he, he stopped a Sidor and said to him, you and I are condemned to the same punishment and I cannot stop weeping. And then basically went on to explain that his punishment that was making him weep was that he was immortal which confused Isidore because he wasn't immortal and also died. So I don't really know what that was all about. But he didn't have Jesus' power, so he couldn't spot an immortal. Um, <laughs> I thought he was going to go like the way of Highlander there, where he was like <laughs> Sean Connery to like Connor McLeod and said, <laughs> you're immortal, you can't die, and then there can be only one and all that. <laughs> I was disappointing. He just and died. Then, <laughs> immortal for ages and ages, and he just happened to come across these people. Like, it had nothing to do with Jesus or anything. He just happened to come across him. But he's actually been immortal for ages. Well, I'll look back round to that. 
Put a pen in that, yes. So then, <laughs> in February 23, the Bologna Chronicle, which I'm assuming wasn't called the Bologna Chronicle because I'm assuming it was Chronicle in Italian, but when I looked at it, it said the Bologna Chronicle. So in 2023, it, it had an article claiming that members of their writing staff had met a Hasaris who claimed to them that every 100 years, he returns to the age of 30. Oh, he's up to 130 so that's why when he met the other guy he was weeping because he was so like old and decrepit oh. uh, but when he reaches 130 he wakes up the day of his 130th birthday and he's 30 again so then like, oh my god he sounds like an immortal jellyfish which i'll get yeah. to later i would say he sounds like the um, like a vampire that they no. go to sleep 100 years and then wake up and then, like every oh. time they're bored they just go to sleep again but it doesn't kill people or has he i mean he might have i mean he's I lived know. a long time maybe he's forgotten i don't know well there's the only the bit about um what's his face the, the poet uh, clemens saying that he was suffering because of uh for committing murder but then he doesn't actually present any evidence that he committed murder so again i think it's just because he's an anti-semite 12 the archbishop of armenia claimed that he met a hazardous and that he had he met him because he went to get shoes made and a hazardous had once again decided to go back to shoemaking. <laughs> uh, he said that he had set up home in Armenia. He had a, a cobblers. He was making shoes and that he'd recently converted to Christianity, which is um, interesting. So, <laughs> and he made the Archbishop of Armenia's shoes. So there's then several reports of him owning shoe shops in different places. By 1252, so this, when he met the Archbishop of Armenia, that was 1228. By 1252, it was reported by many people in Vienna that the local cobbler there was a hazardous, the immortal Jew. He set up his own shoe shop there. He decided to move to Vienna. It was claimed over the next, what, 200 or so years that, again, he set up different shoe shops in different places. Did he end up being Le Bouton? I'd love that. How amazing would that be? (laughs) I mean, maybe. It was claimed that by 1542, he'd moved to Hamburg. And that bit kind of like you, Yaz, saying it's like vampires kind of remind me of a vampire because it's like he moves around all the time so that people don't notice him like reverting an age. So and by 1542, he had one of the most famous uh, cobblers in Hamburg. And then he shows up again in like historical texts in 1868 in America. He'd set up a... A shop in Hart's Corner, which is in New Jersey. The 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica mm-hmm. makes it clear that someone, and so the reason that I focused on these cases, so the 1223, the 1228, the 1252, and the 1542 cases, oh, I'm sorry, and the 1868 case, is because the 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica, when discussing the Wandering Jew, said that there were definitely cobblers at all of these places, at all of these times, that were telling people that they were a hazardous and had set up a shoe shop, they obviously go on to say that whether or not that was just a bunch of different people telling a bunch of different lies, they can't say one way or the other. Obviously, the Encyclopedia Britannica is implying it was, but I'm going to say it wasn't. Um, Not based on anything, I just don't like the idea that it is. So I like the idea that he is an immortal cobbler. We can work on the assumption that if Jesus cursed him, he would be at least 218 years old, but 218 <laughs> years old by now, um, working on the assumption that he would have been, let's say, at least 30 when Jesus met him. Hang on, Jesus, up at 30 again. 
Yeah, Jesus has done him a major disservice though, because he said that he would, you know, like come back and then he wouldn't be immortal anymore. He still hasn't come back. So when the fuck is he coming back? Or has he just forgotten about him? Maybe a Hasserus knows when he's coming back and we don't. What, when Jesus is going to return? Yeah, yeah, he said that he, told him when he, he said back. you're going to continue wandering until I come back. He's not coming back yet. No, funnily oh, enough. Yep, funnily enough, we're all still here. Cool. <laughs> go back to what I uh, uh, told you to put a pen in, Yaz. <laughs> put a sword yeah. I have not really two theories, or I'm saying this as though I made them up. <laughs> I've read two <laughs> might be, and the idea that if Jesus didn't curse him, uh, Jesus was merely commenting on the fact that he was an immortal, which would make him over 2018 years old. Yeah. Uh, there's two possible explanations, and I think you can sort of merge them together into one. So one of the explanations is that perhaps he was the king of Persia, who was called Ahasuerus, and mm-hmm. the only biblical figure that has that name. So Ahasuerus was the king of Persia who was married to Esther, mm-hmm. and Esther's obviously one of Judaism's like biggest folk heroes. When they married, so basically they married, and the prime minister of Persia wanted uh, all Jews cast out of Persia, and Ahasuerus, after he married Esther, ended up converting to Judaism, and I was going to say in cast... Um, the Prime Minister out, no, he didn't kill them. So when they had the Prime Minister <laughs> executed because he wanted to persecute the Jews. Is that the murder that he's maybe talking about? Maybe, when he's decrepit and old? I'm just trying to put um, two and two together here. The guy that's shouting at him is obviously like again an anti Semite and uh, the Prime Minister of Persia was like a historical anti Semite. So yeah, maybe he's like, I know that you killed this great guy, but basically he was like way in the past Hitler, so not a great guy. Ahasuerus and Esther married somewhere around the year 600 BCE. So that would mean that if Ahasuerus was King Ahasuerus, then that would make him at least 2,651 years old. But there's other people that say that he is, which goes back to, I think, like our second episode. I think we talked about this, Leslie. Mm -hmm. Um, And Jazz, but it was me and Leslie that talked about it. Some people believe that that Ahasuerus is Cain, and he's just uh, got a new name over the years. Cain, the like, son of Adam and Eve that killed Abel. And then right. vampires. We talked about the fact yeah. that some think that Cain's the first vampire. That's um, true. Because oh, yeah, like God that. cursed him to live until Judgment Day. And yeah. so, to me, that makes more sense. Like, if anyone's going to do the cursing, it's God, not Jesus. And that makes sense that he would curse him instead. For and that'll be why. Yeah, that'll be why that when he saw, saw him outside the shop, he was just like, oh yeah, you're that dude that God's um, cursed forever. Yeah. yeah. See, this makes so much more sense though. And I like the idea that like Cain obviously was, well, to be fair, when we discussed it, Leslie, we agreed that actually God was being a dick, not Cain. Yeah. yeah. God played mind games with Cain until he killed Abel. Right, then God curses him, so he becomes the first ever immortal. And then as time goes on, he'd probably become a progressively better guy because he was basically like an angry caveman and <laughs> had an opportunity to become better. So I like the idea that somehow, he, like you say, he's like an immortal jellyfish, right? So whenever his 130th birthday, he always reverts to being 30. Yeah. At some point, he somehow rises up to become the leader of Persia and marries Esther. And then obviously <laughs> he'll continue to live on and then he'll revert to being 30 again. And then at some point after that, he decides that he gets really into shoes 
So he becomes a cobbler, and that's how he ends up being all of these cobblers all the way through history. Although Who that would be. Who do you think he is now, Dan? Louis Vuitton. He's Louis Vuitton. He's, yeah, he's Louis Vuitton. Yeah. I'm convinced. It makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. why does he paint all the underside of his shoes red? By the way, I just Googled Louis Vuitton for just because we were talking about him. I didn't know oh, he was Egyptian. Is he Jewish? You know, he's Egyptian. Oh. He's Egyptian, <laughs> which means he's Christian. He's not. Jewish, right. but he could be a Jew. He could be a Jew. But, 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 he kicked all the Jews out of Egypt, so he could be Jewish. But according to the stories, the immortal Jew isn't actually Jewish anymore because yeah, he converted like to Christianity. So <laughs> that would actually make sense. And he's from white when people are trying to describe him, but as Leslie said, they're maybe being a bit racist. Or really maybe they're saying like he's yeah. from some sort of some sort of part of Africa, but I don't really know where. So which. Could in theory be from the northern part of Africa? That's it. We found you right. Like get... but... yeah. I feel like we're going to shoot us or kill us now because we've just found this big secret. <laughs> it's like I don't know if you tell us. I think he uh, sounds quite sound. I think he's just Henry murdered his mother over three thousand years ago. So like maybe the red on the bottom of the shoes is to signify his brother's spilled blood and how much he regrets that, it. That's what I was thinking. I love it. We... <laughs> <laughs> And it makes so much more sense than Jesus cursing someone. This actually makes actual sense. Yep. Oh my god. I really want a pair of shoes. a picture of um, Libiton, so maybe he is really old at one point and then he reverts to being 30. Yeah, well, I've, I wonder what age he is just now. Oh, I don't know. Look at my. Have you still got his Wikipedia? Uh, I'll go yeah. back up again. Libiton. Is he 130? He's not 130. He's not. What's the thing? It's French Egyptian fashion wear. Uh, it's Christian Louboutin. Christian Louboutin. He's a French yeah. Egyptian fashion designer. He's high in Well, He's 58. So, well, it's got a yeah. long way to go then before he yeah, was in fairy again. Early in his, his life cycle there. He's got a while. Oh, love but then he, he might just live long enough to then, you know, fake his death and then fuck off somewhere else for a while and then create a new shoe brand. Yeah. I mean, according to the stories, that's basically what he does. So, and it would make sense that he's like really like successful as well. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the amount of experience he must have gained over the years, learning how he plays, really how like making fabulous shoes. But we don't know when the story of like Cain and Abel takes place either. There's not any historical data on that, so he could be like, I don't know, <laughs> like or something. Yeah, like he's one of the first people to populate yeah. the earth. So. Like, Adam and Eve kind of, but then I think Adam was meant to have lived to be like a thousand years. Like I think human beings back then actually lived like a long, long time. Well. Yeah, like Methuselah or somebody was like the oldest guy. Mm-hmm. What happened to him, Mark? Again, did he not just get like sick, like sick of being really old and not dying, and then yeah, he God to kill him? <laughs> yeah, I think did he not? He went. I can't remember which cave. He went to oh. one of the Bible caves and spoke to God, but God hadn't cursed him to be immortal, had he? He just was. He just was immortal. So God cursed Cain to be immortal, but Methuselah just didn't die for ages and then eventually was like to God, Here God, see how I'm mentally old, can I maybe die? And God <laughs> maybe, more. And then he go to heaven. Maybe it wasn't a curse, maybe it was a like, dude, you killed your brother and this is like the first murder ever. I'm now like almost like a punishment a bit like now you're gonna live forever just to make up for that life that you took away. Yeah, but God Maybe it was guys, because again, really, it was God's fault he killed his brother. being such a cow about it. <laughs> Maybe God was like, actually, I kind of messed up a little bit there. Do you want to live forever and become the greatest shoemaker in the entire world? <laughs> 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 
don't necessarily a curse. So yeah. <laughs> what a weird gift become. And then you just saw me like, oh, you're that really good shoemaker. My my dad made you live forever. My dad made you. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the story of Hasaris, the possible oldest person in the world just now. Possibly Christian Louboutin. Yes, and possibly Christian Louboutin. Took a crazy turn. Makes absolute logical sense. <laughs> <laughs> can make sense out of pretty much anything. I feel okay. like we can jump on to either of your topics from this because we can either talk about uh, what happens to most Jews um, or the fact that, as you said, Leslie's a wee bit like an immortal jellyfish. I really well, want to hear about this immortal jellyfish. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, this is scientific fact. There is an actual immortal jellyfish. And a lot of people are asking, well, not a lot of people, but one guy in particular in Japan who is trying to unlock the secret of the immortal jellyfish. And he's so sweet. Like, he's 60 years old and he looks after these little immortal jellyfish in his little lab and he studies them. Okay, he stabs them to death. Well, not to death. He stabs them and mutilates them, but that's only to force them into regenerating again like Doctor Who, <laughs> just so you can Doctor. see how it's done. How is no animal rights people like attack? He loves animals. He loves nature. He's just trying to prove that the how these uh, jellyfish become like are immortal and how their life cycle works. So what it does is it's tiny. It's really tiny. It needs to be looked at under a microscope sometimes. It's it's quite beautiful. I know you don't like them, yes. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of jellyfish because, you know, they sting you and stuff and they're kind of scary. But this thing, it starts out as looking like a little coral uh, or what they call a polyp. And then eventually it's like, it's like, you know, when caterpillars turn themselves into chrysalis cocoons mm-hmm. and then they emerge as a butterfly. Yeah. Well, imagine the... the, the the mortal jellyfish is sort of the opposite way. It starts off as, yeah, a jellyfish and then sort of reverts back into its chrysalis form. So when it gets stressed or mutilated or anything like that, or it just gets old, it then thinks, well, I don't want to die. So it sort of recycles back like Benjamin Button. Oh, wow. So it's almost then, like goes into a cocoon and like yep. generates itself over again. Yeah, so the polyp then develops into like sort of little... Um, tentacles then sprung out of the polyp and then it eventually grows into the jellyfish and, and grows what they call a medusa, which is what their bell-shaped head is. Mm-hmm. And the the jellyfish, the immortal jellyfish, or jellyfish in general, they're just sort of like simple creatures. They don't have a brain and they eat out of their anus. Like they eat from the same hole as their anus as they shit out of. <laughs> came slightly out of the blue there. <laughs> <laughs> There's no point to jellyfish. It's like, you know, about <laughs> Kathy, she's not that bright. She doesn't have to eat Really, really likes collecting like those little black berries. <laughs> you know her. Her official oh. name is the, the turret topsis dornai. I guess the dornai part is, I'm guessing, is they that they, they, they go back dormant dormant state oh. and then they come back yeah. out and then they're, they sort of, they're sort of like a recycling process. So it's like if like we reached say 90 and then we're like oh i can see that we're coming towards the end of our life our body's starting to break down then somehow i don't know they don't know what kick 
in this process, then you start to age backwards and you age back into a fetus and then you grow back again. So it's not like like, like the wandering Jew, he stops at 30. You would continue to go back to being a a baby and then you would grow back again. You just wouldn't die ever. You would just recycle yourself. I mean, practically, that's not going to be that great because being a baby is very vulnerable. So you'd have to have something to look after you. It's not like the jellyfish where it can just like stick yeah. itself to the bottom of the sea. I mean, they can yeah, be killed. Are... It's not like they are very vulnerable because they are very small. Because I mean, they do get eaten and stuff like that. It's not like something can eat them and it just grows on oh. inside them or whatever or shit it out and it's still there. Um, yeah. the, they can be killed. It's just that if nothing touches them, then essentially they'll just keep going on and on recycling themselves. But some people argue that it's not the same jellyfish because it's renewed its cells. So whatever. Say like if. Sorry, I can't form a question. Okay. If you could get humans to do that. I suppose whether you wanted to do it or not would also depend on whether or not you retained your memories or yeah. you're going to go on and talk about yes because. Yeah, they claim that they're sort of clones of themselves. So yeah, forever, but so just to have your memories, because that's what makes you you, really. Yeah, like if I could live forever, but every like I don't know ninety or hundred years, I have to revert to being a baby, but I still had my full mental capacities and memories. Fine, because mm. mm. I get to live forever, so that's grand. But if like said, Leslie, I'd just be a bit. I'd basically be my own twin. Okay. Yeah. Rather than actually me, like I'd still be dead. There'd just be a mm-hmm. copy of me, which is really the same as being immortal. So I suppose it depends how it works, which we can't know because mm-hmm. we don't have friends, so we can't ask them. Yeah, because you don't know that that you wouldn't be you again. It may just be like you know, like in Doctor Who, where he regenerates and he has a slightly different personality than before, but he still has all the same memories. Or is this be more that it's just like when it dies, it's almost like a seed or doesn't a die, and it just when it's like kind of going back to that regeneration thing it could just be a seed that's then replicating again to make a new one and it wasn't actually the original one well that's one of the theories yeah so they were discovered uh in 1988 by a guy called christian summer and it was a complete accident he's a german marine biology student and he was in his early 20s at the time you spend in the summer in rapallo a small city on the italian riviera where exactly one century earlier, Friedrich Nietzsche's conceived thus spoke Zafarusta. I don't see what that's going to do. Oh, yeah, everything goes, everything comes back. Eternally rolls the wheel of being, everything dies, everything blossoms again, which sort of describes the mortal jellyfish, I suppose, in a way. So he was conducting research on hydrozones, small invertebrates that, depending on your stage in the life cycle, resemble either a jellyfish or a soft coral. Every morning, Sommer went snorkeling in the turquoise water off the cliffs of Portofino. He scanned the ocean floor for hydrozones, gathering them with plankton nets. Among the hundreds of organisms he collected was a tiny, relatively obscure species known to biologists as Turpsis dornii. Today, it's more commonly known as the immortal jellyfish. So he kept them in petri dishes and observed their reproduction habits. After several days, he noticed that the Turpsis Opsis Dornai were behaving in a very peculiar manner for which he could hypothesize no earthly explanation. Plainly speaking, it refused to die. It appeared to age in reverse, growing younger and younger until it reached its earliest stage of development 
at which point its life cycle it began its life cycle anew so Crazy. yeah he was totally baffled by it he didn't immediately grasp its significance it was a decade before the word immortal was first used to describe the species but Surprised that what? no, like, I'm surprised that no, yeah. like, pharmaceutical company or something has got hold of it and took properties out of it to make like some sort of, I don't know, regenerating face cream or something like that. Yeah, there must be some purpose to it. Well, there is a guy um, in this article that I found in the New York Times. He is, uh, he lives in Japan, and he's the only, currently one of the only scientists who's been culturing the immortal jellyfish in his lab consistently consistently (laughs) he works alone without major financing or staff in a cramped office in shirahama um a sleepy town in the wakayama prefecture japan four hours south of kyoto and he's called shin kubota and he is for the time being our best chance for understanding this unique strand of biological immortality so a lot of marine biologists are reluctant to make such grand grand claims about it about its promise for human medicine like you were saying Yaz so a lot of them are skeptical about it but this guy is like no I'm going to study them and see if there if there is a way that we can use it but what he says which I like says that although um, it would be a good thing like you could take whatever find the secrets of the immortal jellyfish and apply it to humans so that they can essentially become immortal themselves he doesn't think that humans have the heart for it as in not that they have their heart would last a long time, but he means like spiritually doesn't think that humans yeah. deserve it because they've just they don't yeah. have any respect for nature and they're monsters basically. That's what his idea of humans are. I just imagine they could use it for something like like when people need heart like kidney or liver or some transplants, it could for help. Regeneration. Like, yeah, like a regeneration thing rather than a your whole entire body because I don't think our body could even deal with that. Like, so it would have to shrink. I feel like the way he's reworded his point as well, also, sorry, the way he's worded his point also, like, it almost implies that he has discovered how it works and he's just not going to tell anyone because he's No, he doesn't. He, well, maybe, but he, does, he, he always moans about how, how old he is because he's in his 60s. And what made me laugh about him is that he has also quite famous in Japan for writing songs about the immortal jellyfish. And, um, and he's written quite a lot of karaoke songs and he loves to sing karaoke himself. And he's trying to make people aware Japanese of nature. For you, yeah. <laughs> I could say Japanese I, I mean, love their karaoke. <laughs> and he's the only one who has a captive population of the immortal jellyfish. So he's explained that, like most hydrozones, Terpsosis passes through two main stages of life, the polyp and medusa. I like that it's called medusa because it makes me think of, you know, the snakes. Yeah. Yeah, A polyp resembles a sprig of dill with spindly stalks that branch and fork and terminate into buds. When these buds swell, they sprout not flowers but medusas. And medusa has a bell-shaped dome and tangling tentacles. That tells you how a jellyfish is formed. Any layperson would identify it as a jellyfish, though it's not the kind you see at the beach. Those belong to a different taxonomic group, Skyphosia, and tend to spend most of their lives as a jellyfish. Hydrozones have briefer medusa phases. An adult medusa produces eggs or sperm, 
which combine to create larvae that form new polyps. In other hydroid species, the medusa dies after it spawns. I just want to call it the immortal jellyfish or whatever. However, sinks to the bottom of the ocean floor where its body folds in on itself, assuming the jellyfish equivalent of the fetal position. The bell reabsorbs the tentacles and then it degenerates further until it becomes a gelatinous blob. Over the course of several days, this blob forms an outer shell. Next, it shoots out stolons, which resemble roots. The stolons lengthen and become a polyp. The new polyp produces new medusas, and the process begins again. So, it's, so cool. it's really cool. It's really cool, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And they're really it's tiny. Cool. And they, they said Kubota calls himself a proud papa, and he says they're really cute. And an adult Medusa is about the size of a trimmed pinky fingernail. It trails scores of hair-like tentacles. Medusas found in cooler waters have a bright scarlet bell, but more commonly the Medusa is translucent white. Its contour is so fine that under a microscope it looks like a line drawing. It spends most of its time floating languidly in the water. It's in no rush. Well, why would it? Yeah. <laughs> no <it's cool. laughs> Nothing yeah. doing all the time in the world. He feeds them... Yeah. Artemia cysts, which are dried brown shrimp eggs harvested from the Great Salt Lake in Utah. Though the cysts are tiny, barely visible to the naked eye, they're often too large for the Medusa to digest, so he has to slice them under the microscope into pieces with two fine point needles, the way a father might slice his toddler's hamburger into bite-sized chunks. He goes, eat by yourself. He yells at one Medusa, you are not a baby. Then he laughs Harley. <laughs> I like this guy <laughs> so much. This is literally his full-time job, caring for the immortal jellyfish. <laughs> if he does travel abroad to to, to, to um, like do lectures, and he just basically has dedicated his whole life to these jellyfish. He absolutely loves them. And I think he does want, to, he believes that, he thinks the secret or the key to their immortality, to their regeneration is in their tentacles, but he doesn't know quite where or how. So he's still looking into that. It says in the article, until recently, the notion that human beings might have anything of value to learn from a jellyfish would have been considered absurd. Your typical Sindarian does not, after all, appear to have much in common with a human being. It has no brains, for instance, nor a heart. It has a single orifice through which food and waste pass. It eats, like I said earlier, out of its own anus. But the Human Genome Project, completed in 2003, suggested otherwise, though it had been estimated that our genome contained more than 100,000 protein coding genes, it turned out that the number was closer to 21,000. This means that we had about the same number of genes as chickens, roundworms and fruit flies. In a separate study published in 2005, jellyfish were found to have a much more complex genome than previously imagined. There's a shocking amount of genetic similarity between jellyfish and human beings, said Kevin J. Peterson, a molecular paleobiologist who contributed to that study. When I visited him at his Dartmouth office, this is from the article, from a genetic perspective, apart from the fact that we have two genome duplications, we look like a damn jellyfish. I'm so confused yeah. about that. What is it? I mean, someone did say that we have our genes are uh, genetic makeups closer to a banana. <laughs> really yeah. No, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's so confusing because <laughs> they're talking about things. This is all sciencey stuff. So he's talking about things called micro RNAs which are tiny strands of genetic material that regulate gene expression 
and my RNA act as an on-off switch for genes. When the switch is off, the cell remains in its primitive, undifferentiated state. When it turns on, a cell assumes its mature form. Have you heard of these wee creatures called axicotals or axiotals? They're like cute little salamander things. Yes. Yeah. And they look like little Pokemons. Yeah, they're really cute. Yeah. yeah. I'll send you a picture of it, yes. So they're so cute. And they live underwater and they're pink and they've got little smiles on their face and they're just so cute. But they're in a constant state of babyhood, basically. So it's like if a butterfly stayed in its caterpillar form. So these things refuse to basically grow up and they live a long time and they're just basically in stasis. They're just in like arrested development, basically. And if they're under a lot of stress or something, then they'll just turn into an ordinary salamander. But there's something in like what they were saying about those cells that just switch off so it doesn't ever mature. Yeah, I didn't Isn't know that. Isn't nature weird? I mean, I yeah. weird just because they look really cute, but I didn't know that that's what they were. That's so strange. Yeah, so they're just basically salamanders in their sort of like tadpole form, but they don't ever turn into salamanders unless they're under extreme stress. That's crazy. Isn't it? <laughs> it's like when you get stressed, then you get old. Actually, humans are like that as well. The more stressed you get, the older you look. Well, that's what that guy said, the Japanese guy. He said that he felt really old all of a sudden and he wanted to be more like their mortal jellyfish and you know, become younger again. So I think, I think maybe he wants to find a way of using the immortal jellyfish's powers to make us younger, not to completely revert back to being a fetus. Just regenerate like a little bit. Like that's quite interesting. Yeah. So cool. And then he said later on, he said, Watch, he said, I will make the Medusa rejuvenate. So he's telling this person who's interviewing them how like to demonstrate how the jellyfish reverts and why. So he says the most reliable way to make the immortal jellyfish age and reverse, Kubota explained, is to mutilate it with two fine metal picks. He began to he began to perforate the Medusa's Mesoglia, the gelatinous tissue that composes the bell. After Kubota poked it six times, the Medusa behaved like any stabbing victim. It lay on its side and began twitching spasmodically. Its tentacles stopped undulating and its bell slightly puckered. But Kubota, in what appeared as a misdirected act of sadism, didn't stop there. He stabbed it 50 times in all. The Medusa <laughs> had long since stopped moving. It lay limp, crippled, and its meg- megaglia torn the bell deflated. Kubota looked satisfied. You rejuvenate! He yelled at the jellyfish. Then he started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Is it an actual like, cycle? No, because then he checked on the stab victim every day that week to watch its transformation. On the second day, the depleted gelatinous mess had attached itself to the floor of the petri dish. Its tentacles were bent in on themselves. It's trans-differentiating, Kubota said. Dynamic changes are occurring. By the fourth day, the tentacles were gone and the organism ceased to resemble a medusa entirely. It looked and said like an amoeba. Kubota called this a meatball. By the end of the week, Stalins had begun to shoot out of the meatball. And that's it beginning to turn back into its old self. It's like if someone came up to you and stabbed the fuck out of you, right? And then you sort of collapsed and it looked like you were dying. But then all of a sudden you just started like turning into some sort of gelatinous mass only to regrow back into Yasmin. <laughs> Can I just I'm say though that for him to have discovered this I mean he, he wouldn't have known that this was going to happen so he got these jellyfish and tortured them and stabbed them and did all this horrible stuff to them and then left them there to die and then watched this happen because it's not like he would have known that was going to happen. He's sick. 
He's at but, <laughs> I know, but how else is he going to study them and find out oh, the secrets? Like, <laughs> start stabbing creatures to study them. That's evil. I mean, oh, no. <laughs> I assume his experiment wasn't. I don't. I don't think he collects animal samples and just stabs them. <laughs> just see what happens. And this oh, is the one time. <laughs> The first time that that happened, he must have like stabbed the crap out of it, and then what this happened? I mean, you're right. I suppose when he suspected that would happen, then he really had to try it out. But I mean, what if it didn't regenerate? He's just murdered this jellyfish. Oh my god, what a crazy man! What does yeah. it feel pain? <laughs> I don't know if it feels pain or not. He says that he thinks we're close to solving the species mystery. That it's a matter of years, perhaps a decade or two. He said human beings are so intelligent. But before we achieve immortality, we must evolve first. The heart is not good. And that's what he means by he says human beings must learn to love nature as he stabs the poor thing to death. (laughs) (laughs) Today, the countryside is obsolete and Japan has disappeared. Big metropolitan places have appeared everywhere. We are in the garbage. If this continues, nature will die. Self-control is very difficult for humans. In order to solve this problem, spiritual change is needed. So, yeah, that's his opinion. And this is one of his songs where he's he's called it the Scarlet Medusa Chorus. So if you ever go into one of those karaoke bars um, where he comes from in Kyoto, then you could sing this song from the karaoke book. I don't know how the tune goes, but I'll just read it out. My name is Scarlet Medusa, a teeny tiny jellyfish, but I have a special secret and no other that no others may possess. I can. Yes, I can. Rejuvenate. That's it. Um, I would go along to the tune of Genie in a Bottle if I was to guess. Oh, that would be good, actually. I could actually. <laughs> I like to, I just like the, the idea of this guy, you know, looking after his little jellyfish and then going um, out at night for a hard night's karaoke sign. Then coming back to stab them. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make sure that they're still immortal. I think it's just the fact that he said he stabbed them 50 times. Like, that's just a bit excessive. Like, why does it need to be 50 times? It's horrible. Yeah, yeah I feel like after the six times, it was clearly dying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Let it be. laughs> Oh, my God. The probably more and more times for luck. <laughs> so the final part. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, when he's talking about... That humanity aren't ready to be immortal and they don't have the heart or the spirit or they haven't evolved. Yeah. Um, do you think we deserve immortality? And what you were going to talk about, Yasmin, is you were going to mention this, the concept of an immortal soul. Yeah, so, you guys like, sort of brought this up last week. And I was mm-hmm. thinking about immortality. And I'll be honest, the first thing that came into my head was like, oh, vampires and they live forever. But that's more like their bodies living forever because then you cannot you can still kill a vampire and I was thinking well actually so I'm sort of going to include my own beliefs in this as well because yeah I do believe that your soul is immortal um and I sort of know like the more Muslim side of it and I kind of looked up like the Christian and the Jewish side and to be honest they're all pretty similar to be honest like there's just little changes in stories but like so for me like I believe that you're and to be honest this is a huge mindfuck as much as I believe in it it still fucks with my head because it's a bit mental as well but it's just like your soul has always been and always will be so actually whether you're one of these three religions or you believe in reincarnation even it's still that soul that has always existed and will always exist till like forever really 
Um, I don't know what you guys thought about that because, like, from what I believe is like that your soul existed, and it's kind of I don't really know where it is before you're born. I think it's just That's what I was just about to ask. around <laughs> somewhere. And from what I've, I can't remember, I've not talked. Because you think about it, time. no one remembers. Yeah. before they were born so like me as an atheist right i'm not saying there's nothing out there there's no like because i believe the energy like what you're kind of like what you're saying but from a more scientific yeah. perspective is that energy cannot die energy just yeah. moves to something else it changes form so yeah. we have a sort of energy within us and that when our body dies, the energy moves on, whether that takes form of another body or whether it just moves into the universe and outwards, yeah. then I don't know, maybe it gets recycled. Ooh, I, that's what I, I think. think. I don't think that you go somewhere like a heaven and hang around forever and ever. I don't think I could stand that, to be fair. Yeah. I think there's I would get bored of, eventually. There's lots of different stories. So like mm-hmm. sort of from the start is that you're all these souls are kind of like in a a lower heaven and that actually away at the beginning of time that everyone made a promise to God that they would still um like worship God and that they wouldn't forget and this is meant to be so see the Arabic word for human it's insan which actually translates as someone that forgets like it's comes from the word forget so we've all basically made this promise to God that we would still believe in him and we'd still remember but we've obviously forgotten that vow or that promise that we made and that's actually why humans are called like forgetful in Arabic um so then your soul's kind of hanging around in this lower heaven until you're a baby and it your soul's like blown into you and then that's sort of you want to see it as a soul or energy or something but yeah mm-hmm. I definitely believe that that energy is then going into that baby and then when you live your life and then when you die like also your body then goes for me, it goes back to where it came from. Really, you go back into being dust. But then, again. why do we why do we live on Earth then? Why not just remain energy? Again, it's meant for, like from a Muslim perspective as well. I don't I don't think I can say that's it. all right. I'm interested. Is is more that this life is a test that you've promised God that you would be a good person and that you would like follow the rules and stuff, and that this whole life is a test. And see, to be honest, like that's what my mom taught me when I was little, and that's probably what's got me through a lot of shit in my life is knowing that do you know what this isn't your final resting place this is just your test to see whether you'll sort of live up to what you promised and either go to heaven or go to hell hell but that always actually everyone will end up in heaven eventually that you'll you might go to hell for a wee while because you need to be punished for the because that as well helps me justify why people do fucked up nasty shit in their life that i'm like that person deserves to suffer for doing that so you will still go to hell and sort of be punished for what you've done but because God is so merciful that eventually everyone will go back to heaven and then in heaven that's sort of your immortal life and that's where we'll live for like the rest of sort of eternity um but that this life here is just a huge test to see if you'll actually be a decent person or not see I like that because that would mean that you know all those Tories are going to hell for starving (laughs) kids so in that in that respect, yeah, I I really hope that that is true, because they're all fucking evil bastards. That's the thing. That's the only way you can justify the whole. How can people commit genocide or murder people or do awful things? And I think if I didn't have that belief, I would really really struggle. Uh, because it's like you know, even if you want to look at it from like a karma kind of thing, it's like what's come to you will it will get you. So whether you get punished here 
or you get punished in hell, you're going to get punished because shit comes mm. around kind of thing. Um, and I was going slightly off topic about souls, but yeah, no, I, I just think together, really. I like the place to see if you can be good and follow rules, because I kind of like that idea, because I don't know, I've always kind of struggled with when people say, like, oh, it's to make sure that you... What? And I think to make that... sure you want break? Yeah, you just went... <laughs> I turned into air. I'm solid again, so it's fine. Yeah, I think like it's when like I always kind of struggle with the idea when people say or people imply that it's so that you can worship God. Whereas I liked what you said about it about you being good and like following the rules of being a nice person. I think that makes more sense because obviously you can't like if God picks what family you're born into. If you're not born into a religious family and you're born somewhere where there aren't a lot of religious people, then you're not going to know to worship God, but you'll still know how not to be a shit person. Yeah. Like if you're an atheist Tory and your family are atheists and all Excuse their... Excuse me? <laughs> you call me a Tory? No, I said to you, for example. I don't know Are you? <laughs> um, yeah, like you don't have to be a Tory. Like, Look at that that art, that haunted pencil, um, <laughs> Jacob <laughs> Smog. He yeah. claims that he's a devout Catholic, but he's an evil fuck. Yeah, and then I suppose that works as well because that always kind of annoys me too. That and Ed is a really good Catholic, but actually he's evil. So yeah. yeah, I like that idea that like the whole point is to be good rather than the whole point is oh, to be part of any yeah, specific. I- yeah, I don't care what label you put on yourself. Like, to me, being Muslim, that's how I choose to live my life. I don't think that means I'm going to heaven or anything like that. I just think that's how I choose to be a good person. But I don't think your religion makes you a good person at all. No. It just guides you on how to live and how to deal with things that come up. But by no means do I think any religion makes you a good person, like, at all. Especially when people yeah. twist and, stuff. and also, if you don't have a religion, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. You can still just be a decent, a decent person. You just don't necessarily believe in any deities. You just believe in being not being a dick. Yeah, like I genuinely believe that everyone takes something because you need something to almost guide you through your life. So just because you don't believe in God, it doesn't mean that you're not getting guided through your life by something. Yeah, like I genuinely think that every human being needs something to, to keep them going. And for me, religion does that, but for someone else, it's not. And then other people that are amazing Christians or Muslims or Jews are fucked up assholes that should definitely go to hell. So I feel like I need to believe in hell so that these people get what's coming to them as well. It's just learn stuff. To- I, I hope, yeah, in a way, I think it sounds it sounds like a good thing, but the cynic in me just thinks that. Unfortunately, Yasmin, I don't believe that there is a hell, and I think that that you just, I don't think you get punished. But then part of me thinks that karma exists, but then again, I think about all the fucking shit things that have happened to people. Like, I can't get my head around the Holocaust, like how many poor children and ju- like six million people just plain out murdered, and I, I just think, I just can't imagine why any any deities would allow that to happen for so long that just blows my, like and and I think there was interviews with Jewish people who said that their faith were tested but then they still sort of like even Anne Frank said I still believe that fund, fundamentally people are good yeah well imagine that I don't think I believe that 
all people are good. I believe everyone's got goodness in them. Mm. But I believe there are some people that are evil. Like, I believe in evilness. Like, it is something that exists. Because there's no way you can slaughter that many people and not have something wrong with you. Like, it's just, it's really I think something wrong with you, as in, like, there's something wrong with your brain. Like, I was watching a documentary before I started this podcast, and it was on The Night Stalker, just on Netflix just now, um, Richard Ramirez. And I turned around and I said to my boyfriend, why is he doing this, like, just randomly killing these people? And then I thought to myself, I don't think he's evil. I said that out loud. I said, I don't think he's evil. I think he's just deranged. Like, there's some something. I know you probably would disagree with me, but I don't think he is. I don't think he was born evil. I just think circumstances made him that way. And yeah. there might be something in his brain that basically turns off any empathy he has with anyone. God, 100%. Because there's no way you can do that kind of thing and feel nothing. And that's not normal. That is I, think not that, yeah, I always normal. find it interesting when it's like serial killer cases and they say mm-hmm. like, for like a like insanity plea. But then when they were studied by doctors, it turned out like basically they were insane. And I think, yeah. but how, can you, how can you possibly... I under, not understand crimes of passion. That sounds like. I get how and... yeah, you commit a crime of passion, and it's not because you have anything psychologically wrong with you. It's because somebody's pushed you to snapping. Like the stuff I was making up from a higher class the other day was on Ruth Ellis, and hmm. how she she basically murdered her abuser after an yeah. alleged abuse. So I get that she wasn't mentally ill. She was under mental duress, but. I don't understand how, yeah, like you say, Richard Ramirez clearly, okay, might not have had a diagnosable mental illness, but he obviously wasn't mentally well. Like, you don't murder... Yeah, he claimed that Satan was telling him what to do and everything, but I just reckon that's just excuses. Um, he Like, the son of Sam, he claimed that, and he was smirking the whole time while he was telling the detectives this, that, that it was a, a dog that was telling him, whispering voices into his head to kill people when it was all bullshit. No, actually, like what? Again, with him, did they not say that the the psychologist, which to be fair, they didn't believe him that he thought a dog was talking to him, but he, <laughs> they didn't that he thought a dog was talking to them, and he wasn't actually insane, whereas it's like yeah. really insane. Like he might have made up that a dog told him to do it, but based on what he did, he was clearly insane. Yeah, it's actually not like Ruth Ellis. I'm not saying even to be fair that she wasn't. She insane, should never but, have been hung. That no, was ridiculous. Yeah. But, but then that's the problem with the death penalty. Too many innocent people were hung. Yeah. Like when he snapped, though, that was obviously like temporary insanity yeah. because he was blinded with rage because of the terrible things that had happened to her. I think nobody nobody murders anyone when they're in their right mind. You can't say that any murderers are sane. That doesn't add yeah. up. No, I agree with that, actually. Like, but then, so you're saying about like Hitler and stuff like that, I think that's different because that wasn't just one person that was loads of people that are almost I don't think they saw the Jews as people that's the problem they saw them as if like oh no they're actually animals or how black people have been treated it's like they're not even human so they have no empathy towards them because they don't they just think it's a bunch of animals that they're just culling and it's but even or that, they'll just like, turn their, they'll, they'll turn a blind eye to it and deny yeah. that it's happening because they don't want to acknowledge the like yeah. after the war, like the um, Allies forced the German people who lived outside of Auschwitz and like not that far away, they forced them all to go into Auschwitz and view the bodies and view the atrocities and and show them what was going on. 
not two miles away from where they lived and it was absolutely horrific to them like they were all crying and everything like I don't know whether that was a good or bad thing to do what do you think Mark yes I'm interested in hearing your opinion yeah I think it's a difficult one because technically I imagine most of those people didn't actually do anything as such but not doing anything isn't just as bad. I don't, I don't agree when people say not doing anything is equally as bad. It's not. But not doing anything is still bad. Like, it's like not to be flippant and compare Nazis to Tories and Republicans, but it's very similar. Like, I think you have all these things with, like, Donald Trump being racist and people saying... Oh, kids gosh, in cages. Like, Mexicans. Sorry, Leslie. Well, he put kids in cages and separated yeah. them from their parents. And, yeah, and then you get people, like, ranting on... Um, YouTube, Twitter, whatever, like, I wish all these libtards would stop crying about, uh, like, these children and da-da-da-da-da. Mm. And you get it here with, like, conservative politicians that are homophobic or classist and treat people living in poverty. Like yeah, or give kids, like, a 30 pound, supposed to be a 30-pound yeah. meal package <laughs> and it's only worth a fiver and they pocket the rest as profit. But again, you have people here being like, oh, these bleeding-heart liberals, you need to, like, shop. And it's like, well, no, actually more people need to make their voices heard. Like, if something's wrong, like, I agree, I said, so like, Anne Frank's our special guest, I agree with Anne Frank, but <laughs> I agree with what you said, that Anne Frank said, that the majority of people are good. I think the majority of people are good, but the issue is that the good outweighs the bad, but the majority of people won't actually step up and do anything when they see something wrong, and that's what allows the wrong to happen. Yeah. So taking this back to the topic of immortality, like what that Japanese scientist said, then that humans just aren't ready to be immortal. Because although there are some people that are good, you imagine an immortal serial killer. You can't kill them. Oh, God. But then they can't kill you. Yeah. So I think a lot of people that have done bad things in their life, when they get to, like, the end of their life, when they're getting really, really old, that's when they start reflecting and people start regretting what they've done in their life as well. So if you were immortal, you wouldn't even get to that point where you're... All you would have is, like, your memories. And... Yeah. You'd just then, be like, what's the point? But then if not everyone's immortal, like, say, is immortal immortality a bit of a curse? Although it sounds appealing. Like, say you're immortal and you're not a vampire and you don't age. You're like Connor McLeod, basically. You just stop aging. And, like, say you get to 30 years old. Sorry, I just realised you said Connor McLeod. I thought you said Lorna McLeod. And I was like... <laughs> whatever you know i'm not gonna discriminate on sex you're you're just one of these immortals but you can't you can't make up you can only really have a good relationship with another immortal because you if you're making like connections with uh, people who aren't immortal then they'll grow old and die and you have to watch them over the years you can't keep these people ever and you'll have to live with the pain of seeing people grow old and die all the time and that's what happens to a lot of elderly people like my gran she ended up saying oh well all my friends are dead and like you know like they're all going and i feel like i'm the only one left and she doesn't understand the modern world bless her place for her but i think you've almost hit the nail on the head though that immortality is a curse of everyone else around you is dying if you're all immortal and you're all living your life that's fine but if everyone else is dying that's that is a curse having to see people around you dying over and over again like mm. that's horrific. i was thinking about wonder women 
And she doesn't... Okay, you see her as a wee girl. I know this is a comic book, right? And it's all theoretical, <laughs> but I don't think there's actually any immortals out there. Maybe the dude, <laughs> apart from Christian Le Bouton. I think he's immortal. So she, you see her as... I know she's like a god or whatever, but then you see her as a child and then she sort of grows up into a teenager and then she grows into like Gal Gadol. But does she just age really, really slowly? Because... Like it spoilers that I don't know I can't really spoil it, but at the end of Wonder Woman, another Amazon appears who looks a bit older, and um, it's like, well, how long does she live? Is she immortal, or does she just age really, really slowly? And even if Steve Trevor survived, you know, he didn't blow himself up in that plane. Eventually, he would just get old and die. So, like, you know, I think she's barely eighty, and they, but. I don't know. I don't really like Wonder Woman, so I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I think she just slowly. If you were going to be immortal, like I'm into the idea, but I think you need to have the ability to make not like everyone else immortal, but to make some other people immortal, and also like I think someone you get along with as well. (laughs) Why, when he was like in his over a hundred, he spent all his time weeping Mm. and to be and like looking forward to the point where he becomes thirty again because yes, can party. Yeah, if you like, <laughs> and like became sort of decrepit, then you wouldn't be able to. Well, exactly, you wouldn't be able to go out and party, and you wouldn't <laughs> be able to really have an active life. And like you say, if everyone you knew, like if let's say he reverts back to being thirty, so let's say like he married Esther, right, and then she eventually dies. But especially considering when that story was based, she's probably going to die when she's like in her mid fifties, mm-hmm. and he loves her. And he's still got to keep on living until he's 130 before he can even be young again. And not that I think you would get life by just being young again, but I think it would be so much more difficult to cope with the loss if you couldn't then do anything to in, to in any other way sort of occupy your mind. Yeah. You're old and unable to like really move or get about a lot. And like he obviously loves like making shoes and. But he would get to a certain age where, like, his hands wouldn't be able to work, and again, he'd just be sitting waiting until you'd probably be sitting for like 50 years waiting for that point where you. Do you know what I would do? Again. I would just go to bed and sleep and sleep, like, hibernate until fair, I wake up farty, or is that just cheating? But then that wouldn't work, would it? Because you couldn't, you wouldn't actually be asleep if you were living a normal life, but you were reverting back. Then the 50 years that you spent sleeping, well, you're not a bear, so you wouldn't be hibernating, you would still wake up, you would you would be horribly depressed because then you would be doing even less than a normal elderly person does. You would just be <laughs> lying down does for 50 years. 30, does he remember his other life? Yeah, I think that's implied in the story. Like, yeah, that, yeah he, his memory yeah. continues on from whenever it is that he was made a That must get really tiring, knowing that you're going to grow old again and then... Ugh, I think it's just stay fairy. Forever. Right. Like, again, the whole sort of vampire idea, like, if he was 30 forever and he could and then when he met Esther and like properly fell in love he could then turn her into a vampire as well or turn her into an immortal as well like that doesn't sound that bad in fact that sounds great do you think if the three of us became immortal that we would get sick of each other eventually or or maybe we just have to like leave each other for like 50 odd years and then reunite yeah, no, Again. I don't think we would, but I think, say we all became immortal, reverted to being 30, stayed 30 forever, yeah, I think there'd probably be points where we'd be like, I'm off to wander around the world on my own, and then 
probably wondering and be like, oh. I think and then yeah, after like 40, 50 years, you'd come back and be like, oh, I've got stories. Like, <laughs> that would be okay with that. Plus, as well, I think when there's three of you rather than two, it's like you've always got a buffer for like when one of the, one person's like annoying you, you've got someone else to talk to. <laughs> 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 one of them shunned. <laughs> Oh, you know how like this is so bad. See, we're going holiday with my friends. There's three ways, and like there'll be days where like one person's getting annoying, so at least you've got someone else. And it's just like you're not just yeah. trapped with one other person. All I know the what time. you mean. I went on holiday with someone to Ibiza, and by the end of the holiday, I wanted to drown her in the sea. And there's nothing wrong it was, like, with bad. spending yeah. time with one other person. Her voice just did my nothing, and so, I was actually to murder her. <laughs> see, in a moment of insanity, you might have exactly. Kind of. <laughs> if you could make other people immortal, right, and you weren't going like daft, then if the three of us were immortal, then yeah, eventually we probably would go like go our separate ways for a short amount of time. You might make like think of a hazardous again, right? So let's say you can make other people immortal. Maybe we made other people immortal before he met Esther, and then they would have like drifted apart, and then he'd make Esther immortal. But then whoever he made immortal before, they might make someone else immortal, and then you know they might meet up later down the line. And, would be just sort of like this community of immortals that you would switch up who you're hanging about with every so often. Yeah, such an awful moment yesterday. And we were talking about ages and being immortal. I was sitting with my wee sister, my wee sister, and I was just sulking about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my god, I'm gonna be like 35 in a month. Like this is so horrible. I'm like so old. Blah blah blah. <laughs> no, but that's what she said to me. She goes, You're not 35. She's like, You're gonna be 36 next month. And I was like oh my god, that just depressed me so much more. Like, I genuinely thought I was 34. And she's like, no, you're 35. <laughs> I forget how old I am as well, Yasmin. I mean, imagine what it's like if you're immortal. You'd probably just stop counting after a while, wouldn't you? If you were a half then you would know that you had been 35 to look forward to again, so... Yeah, I'm like 35 times a thousand. Great. She just stole a year from me. I was, like, I was sitting there genuinely convinced that I was 34. stole a year from you! <laughs> i always have to like actually really think about how old i am because once i got past 35 i'm just like in denial or something like i can't believe it i'm not 36 36 were meant to be like adults Um, i just went out and built a snowman today and i don't have any children so (laughs) i think that's a very adult thing to do i I think being a proper adult is just doing what you want to do and not Yeah. Thanks about it. So what's our topic next week then? Are you gonna pull a topic out of a hat again? Oh yeah, because you had a list. Yeah. I can do if you don't have an idea off the top of your head. No. Nah. I'm really updated. I can't think of stuff. Um, neither. <laughs> uh, so we've got eleven things that we haven't covered yet. I've put in the random destination ones again because I took them out last week. So who picked a number last week? Me, Yasmin, you picked Yasmin this time. a number between number one and two. Oh, so <laughs> the big hitters. So Leslie said a couple of times that she wants to do Mothman and I've said a couple of times that I want to do Bigfoot. So Yas, do you want to also pick like a famous, like a really famous cryptid and we can do three really famous cryptids. So Mothman, Bigfoot and the Yasmin choice. Yeah, okay. I'll look something up. So, can I add something to the list? Just because, see, when we were talking, yeah, uh-huh. I've actually found that really interesting talking about evil. Like, I think that would be an interesting topic. So, just like, does evil exist? Evil in yeah. mythology. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, the baddies. Let's call it like, the baddies. The baddies. 
yeah it's just while we were talking about it I was like well this is actually really fascinating and I could probably go into a lot more yeah it's a fascinating yeah. topic yeah Stick well, next week we're going to talk about Bigfoot yeah the Mothman and whatever cryptid and surprise y- guest. Jasmine wants to <laughs> yeah surprise guest cryptid <laughs> Just to be clear, I'm doing the Mothman, yeah. Yeah, you're doing the. I didn't mean we should swap. Like Leslie's always doing the Mothman. Like I'm fucking doing the Mothman. (laughs) 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 He's got nice furry wings. Spoilers. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like wee moths. They can fuck right off. Horrible dusty things. I think they're so cute. No. Well. Yeah, and eat all your clothes. You can get rid of spiders, but moths are just a pain in the ass. Moths are a pain in the ass. Let's end it at that. So, good night and bye. Bye. Chris, so, man.